Good morning, Hope Church. If you would, let's read with, uh, read with me from 2 Peter, the first chapter, verses 3 through 8. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption of in, that is in this world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For in these qualities, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for, for just the opportunity, Lord, to, to open your word and to, to learn your truth. Lord, I pray that right now that we would just be uh, open to your guiding, Lord, the guiding of your Holy Spirit, Lord. I pray that uh, wherever uh, we are watching this and, and we are that we are a part of this fellowship, Lord, I pray that we would have no distractions, Lord, that you would bind the enemy from from taking away our focus on, on on this time of worship. We thank you so much for loving us, and, and it's in your son Jesus' name we pray, in his name that I preach. Amen. All right, so if you don't know me, if you, maybe you've seen me on here a couple of times, or you've seen me at Hope Church. My name is Robert Meacham, and, and uh, I'm one of the preachers here at Hope Church, and I, I'm so excited to, to bring you a message today uh, following the Lent season and following the, the Sunday after Easter. You know, that's it's just a just an awesome time. Uh, you know, the, the weather's been great, and so everybody's excited about the turn of spring, uh, and so am I. So we've just come out of the Lent season, like I said, and we we celebrated the resurrection of our Savior just last week, and 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 here we are again, meeting on a Sunday to do the exact same thing, to celebrate and worship a risen Savior. So through the Lent season, for me this season, it was about focusing on on a promise in in John ten ten that says. I am come that you might have life and that you may have it more abundantly. So I'm looking to achieve, and through Lent, I was really looking to achieve through the time that I spent in, in, in the Word to achieve the abundant life promise that Jesus said. I know that Christ's death was sufficient, but now I was thinking, what must I do to achieve this abundant life? So there was a phrase that kept coming back to me, and it was this, make the effort. So if you've heard me preach at Hope before, you know that I reference illustrations from coaching football to, to coaching track at Anderson County High School. Um, and, and I'd hate to actually buck that standard uh, because oftentimes uh, coaching kids provide the greatest sermon illustrations. So, so with that in mind, last Friday, all right, our Bearcats were participating in a track meet at Lincoln County High School. Okay, my sons, uh, they both throw shot put and discus uh, for the team and they are finding some really good success as they train more. Well, early, uh, early on, before, actually while we were on the way to the meet, uh, I find out uh, through text that I had erred and, and I had uh, put the incorrect names in the assignment on one of the races, and it was the four by 200 meter relay. Um, and it included Austin and Tyler. Uh, so Austin had been training with relay teams, been doing handoffs, been training some sprints. Uh, Tyler had not. Uh, this was, uh, and unfortunately, there was no way to change it. Uh, so uh, really, my primary worry at this point was, okay, 
They've got to exchange a baton. Uh, they happen to be running the third, the second and the third leg. So they are handing it off to each other. Um, my, pro my chief worry was that the handoff would end up in some kind of baton throwing event or yelling at each other that somebody screwed something up. Uh, I know you can, you can imagine that if you have uh, two children, you know, and if they were running a race uh, and, and competing against other schools, they would want to do their best. Uh, and so I was really, really worried about that. So much so that I put the, our team photographer, uh, who's a, a father of one of our kids, in, in the right place. I said, right here, you might be able to get some really good action photos of this next exchange. But it turned out the handoff went, went really well. There was, there was very little drama to it. Uh, Tyler ran a successful 200 meter leg. The best part of it though, was the conversation I had with him just two, like two minutes after he had finished. I, I walked to the middle of the infield and I find him bent over on his knees, hand, both hands on both knees, still winded from the 200 meter sprint. And I expressed to my boy how proud I was of his effort. He, he cut me off and said, Dad, that was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Now, so I started laughing just as I'm laughing now because, uh, I mean, having been training athletes to run two miles and miles and 800s, a 200 meter, it, it's, a, it's a short sprint. It's halfway around the track. So, you know, I was, I, I was caught off guard by him saying it was the hardest thing he's ever done in his life. But then I reminded him that, you know what, things get less hard the more we train for them. And so what he realized was that he has not been training for it, thus it was really hard for him. He set his focus on training for throwing really heavy implements like the shot put and the discus, not running, right? And so it wasn't about his effort, it was about his focused effort. It's, it's not enough to wear yourself out. It's not enough to expend all kinds of energy and effort because if you aren't focusing it on the right thing, you'll end up completing a task and think just like Tyler did, that was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. You'll, you could be moving really fast, you could be working really hard, getting really tired, but remain stuck in the same place that you started in. So let me tell you, the world is gonna tell you and it's gonna give you all kinds of advice on how to better yourself. The world is going to try and sell you the lie that you can achieve anything you want with minimum effort. If you do this, you'll feel better about yourself. If you could only spend more time doing this, then you will be more successful. If you take this, then you'll achieve a special result or outcome. So there's a problem with this logic. None of the world's outcomes are guaranteed. There is no assurance of anything the world will sell you. Well, there is one assurance in Matthew 7, 13 through 14, it says, enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the gate and the way is easy that leads to destruction. For those who enter by it are many for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. Following the world's guarantees leads to destruction, period. There is only one source that has the assurance we are looking for and that is Christ Jesus who has the power to conquer death. You see, it takes effort to make your way through the narrow gate. It takes focused effort. Like this road here, if, and I'll describe it for you, and, and there'll be a picture up on the screen for you, is a bus traveling along, along a mountain road with cliffs on one side, 
surrounded by livestock and goats trying to trying to pass and there are so many things that are keeping this bus from really going along the path roads that are difficult to navigate really test our resolve and our ability to stay focused too often we get into this road frame of mind and this next picture is kind of what we want our life to be like a nice country road through the farmland, a beautiful fall picturesque day, and we just want to push autopilot and let, and let the car take over. See, we're hoping that our abundant life will be smooth sailing down a country road. They've even got like self-driving cars now, so they're even making it easier for us to just cruise along. But back to that first pick, this is the more accurate representation of the narrow road we are called to find. Full of bumps, full of steep cliffs, hairpin turns, and a ton of smelly goats. See, the reward for keeping our focused effort to navigate through that narrow gate is that li this life is a guarantee for those who find it. That abundant life. So let's look again at 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. And what he's talking about is that for this very reason, he's talking about in verse 4 where he says, the partaking of Christ's divine nature for that purpose, for the purpose of taking, partaking in Christ's divine nature, we make every effort to supplement our faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. So that word again in verse five, effort. Make every effort. We have, honestly, we gotta put our back into it. We have to, uh, like I, you know, I've, I've told, and, and I had my dad tell me for years, you gotta lift with your legs. Right? Like, I could not lift anything of any consequence, of any weight. It could be a 10-pound box or a 100-pound box. And my dad would say, son, lift with your legs. Right? And I, I, that is instruction that I had every single time I lifted anything. And guess what I remind my kids to do? Every single time they lift anything, I say, lift with your legs. So, you know, as, as irritated as I was on that hundredth time being told that, I was receiving training and instruction and guidance on how to produce the correct kind of focused effort. Now, you might at times be overcome by how much effort a kingdom life really requires. But I'm telling you right now, that's a lie from the evil one. He wants you to be overcome and overwhelmed. Those attributes... You know, they, being overcome and being overwhelmed lead to you being ineffective and unfruitful. We can build habits daily that help us keep our focus. That's kind of the purpose and, and, the, and the foundation of, of the hope arrow. It's, you know, just kind of a, a branded daily reminder to live a kingdom-focused life so that we don't become overcome or overwhelmed. You know, I was rem I'm reminded by, by a common phrase and, and many people adhere to it in their lives. And maybe you've heard it. It goes like this. It says, let go and let God, right? And in some cases, this is a really good practice for 
those who are prone to anxiety or worry. And we should let go. Like just in, in 1 Peter, it says, cast all of our anxieties on him because he cares for us. But casting our cares doesn't mean we play a passive part. We have to be active in that. We have to put focused effort in that so that we don't become overcome and overwhelmed. Colossians 1, 28 and 29 says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And for this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. See, we can supplement or add to our faith because it is Christ's energy at work in us. It is the Holy Spirit in us. But we have to put forth the effort. We have to labor. We have to struggle. And that phrase from Colossians, we have to toil, right? We have to do it. So back back to the track. If I have athletes that come to me, and I've had for you know for the last decade, I've had athletes that are coming to me after running training for an 800 meters. And for those who are unfamiliar, the 800 meters half mile, it, it's if you run it appropriately, it's a sprint. It, it is it is hard. It is commonly recognized as one of the most demanding races in all of sports. And so a kid will come to me, obviously hurting. And they've probably worked up some tears, maybe maybe a little bit watery eyes because they're hoping to see if they can break through old coach's rough calloused heart. Um, to be clear, I haven't been broken yet. You know, I, like I, they're looking for a little bit of mercy or lenience, but I don't give that to them. And here's why. I empathize with their hurt. I understand the physical pain that their bodies are pushing through. I've pushed through those walls before. And I also understand what the finish line holds for them if they stick to the training plan and if they give their best focused effort. When they follow the plan, the hurt lightens eventually. Not in the moment, but eventually. As we continue to work through our our kingdom-focused life, the hurt lightens. Training is a voluntary action. The effort you put forth in your training is on you. The same way I can't will my athletes to give 100% in the weight room or on the track or on the field. In the same way, like the leadership of Hope Church and, and you know, Jeff and Logan and, and, and Tyra and all of, all of us, we can't will you, right? to be about the characteristics that we study through Lent. We can't will you to do the things of Philippians 4.8. We can't lift your legs to get you to be excellent and commendable and pure and just and honorable and lovely. We, like, that's, that's not something we can will you to do. The training is a voluntary action. It's on you. Listen, so... The church will not produce these characteristics in you. Hope Church will not create in you the desire to put forth the effort, to do like like 2 Peter 1.5 says, to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge. The effort required is personal. Just like I can't make a kid give 100% in trading, I can't make you do anything you don't want to do. So, I've got a pretty good idea that uh, that my my next uh, my next part might hurt some feelings, um, and I've prayed about that, and I'm pretty confident that that it's going to be okay. 
But so here it is. There's a common occurrence in our church that, um, man, it really, it really gets, it gets stuck. It gets stuck with me. It really uh, gives me a little bit of heartburn. And this is what it is. Church leadership, your pastor, the folks that are, that are dedicated to helping train and instruct through children's programs and youth programs and all those things, the style of worship within a church, all of these things get blamed or used as an excuse for why you aren't being fed. But you know what? Perhaps you feel like you aren't being fed because you're full of junk food already. Like, you know, grandma used to say uh, that that junk food's going to spoil your dinner. Well, here's what's happening is your effort is misplaced. You are training for something that is not getting you towards the finish line. And you make an excuse to say, the church isn't doing its job. My pastor isn't doing his job. Well, frankly, I'm here to tell you that's, that's just not true. Because the training is a voluntary action and the training is on you. So perhaps you aren't displaying yet the qualities outlined in 2 Peter 1. And for those, these qualities create in your life the groundwork for being discipled, the groundwork for being fed, and then the groundwork also for completing the command of Jesus in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples. So what are we to do? How, how do we add to our faith this virtue and this virtue with knowledge? It takes effort. 2 Peter 1.8 says, for these, if these qualities are yours and they are increasing, we are adding them to our faith, then they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, we have to possess them in increasing measure. We have to add them, continually making the effort to be effective in our training produces fruitful kingdom-focused life. Add these qualities to your faith. See, the world will give you the advice. The world will have you focused on easy living. The world will tell you it's okay to be average. The world will tell you that quitting and walking away is always an appropriate response. They will never be able to be effective in giving you the, the, the abundant life that Christ has to offer. So it says, add to your faith virtue. In your translation, it may, it, you may be looking at something that says, add to your faith goodness. Literally, the word means moral excellence. And we, we talked just a couple weeks ago about what it means to be excellent. In the classical Greek, this, the, the word actually means it, it was represented to the Greek gods of their ability to do heroic deeds. That's what that, that virtue really is, is meaning there. It also came to mean kind of the, the, quality, of, that, of li- the quality of life that someone has to be excellent. Or even like that you're used to, to do exactly what you're meant to do. Kind of like a tool. So, so the word was also used to, to represent a tool that was being used exactly for what it was made to do. That's that word virtue. So we're adding that to our faith. So it... It never meant to be had to have a virtuous attitude, but rather that virtue was a demonstration in your life. 
Peter here is, is writing of the moral energy, the power that performs deeds of excellence. I was reading uh, a, another book this weekend, uh, and it said, it was a, a quote from, from Warren Wiersbe. Uh, he was a pastor, uh, actually, in Kentucky in the 60s, uh, and then he went on to Moody Bible, Co- uh, Moody Bible uh, Church there in Chicago, and he preached there through the 70s. Uh, and he had this quote. He says, true virtue in the Christian life is not polishing human qualities, no matter how fine they may be, but producing divine qualities that make the person more like Jesus Christ. See, that's what we're, that's what we're talking about when we're adding virtue to our faith. We're not, we're not trying to take our human qualities and, and you know, polish a rough stone to where it's brilliant. No, we're, we're replacing them with divine qualities. So how do we add to our faith goodness? Well, we do that by fulfilling our purpose in life and that purpose that God has designed for us to accomplish. And we do that. And when we do that, we become more like Christ. Now, you may be wondering, uh, how? <laughs> how do I know what God's purpose is in my life? Well, we do this, just what, what says in, in 2 Peter 1.5, we, we add to our virtue knowledge, right? So knowledge is spoken of in this chapter and, and throughout uh, Peter's writings. He says in verse 3, he talks about godliness through knowledge. In uh, 2 Peter 3.18, he talks about grow in grace and knowledge, So knowledge through the spirit, knowledge through the word, and knowledge through our experience. That's how we figure out exactly what our purpose is. Paul would write this in in 1 Corinthians, second chapter, 11 and 12. He says, for who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. See, we have the spirit. In fact, Paul would write that we have the mind of Christ because of the Holy Spirit. But it's not enough to have that. We need to work on it. We need to make our best effort. So he would write again in the verses that follow that chapter, and this is a, a you know, kind of a Meech version paraphrase. And in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, he says, Brothers, I couldn't speak to you as spiritually, but I had to speak to you as worldly, as babies in Christ, right? I, I gave you milk, not solid food, but you still weren't ready for it because you were still worldly. He's speaking to, to believers who still needed to make effort. We need to continually make effort. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. These scriptures bring a flood of motivational and instructional teachings that have echoed through my instructions from my dad, from my coaches, from even my pastors over the years. They said things like, do your best. Every time I set out to accomplish a task, my dad would tell me, son, just do your best. Well, this is a perfect example that was taught to me. Our Lord is just looking for our best. 
He's looking for our best effort. He is not asking you to be like anyone else. He's not asking you to do things that other people can do. He's asking for your best. At times, you'll get stuck comparing yourselves to others in the church. You know, that, that person has it all together. She knows more scripture than me. He speaks so eloquently. It, I, I just can't do that. Good. You, I'm glad you can't do that because you are, are made for a specific purpose to do your best. He's not asking you to be like him or her. He wants you to give your best effort to use the gifts that he gave you. Be your best for his glory. So I've challenged you before, and I really see that as, as one of my, my big purposes from, from any pulpit I'm in is, is, to, is to provide a challenge to get you really thinking about how you can be your best. So t- today, again, I challenge you, are you doing your best? Are you giving your best effort for his glory? Are you studying? Are you showing yourself, as 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Are you showing yourself as a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed? We not only add knowledge through our study, but also through our experience. This doesn't mean we look to divine revelation or a visit from God. This means that the more we walk with him, the more we learn about him and his faithfulness. Goodness and knowledge. We are to add these to our faith. And this isn't the end of the list. Obviously, there's more as we read in that chapter. But, you know, if, I, if we started digging into uh, self-control and steadfastness and, and brotherly affection and love, we'd be here for another hour. And, and that's, we could go there. But um, I know there, that, uh, that the other service would be, be rolling in and we, we can't do that. So maybe we'll dig into it another time. But as we continue to grow, let's, let's focus on adding virtue and knowledge to our faith and really do our best effort to lift with our legs on that portion. And what does he say? It says we will have access to, to, and we'll be a partaker in Christ's divine power. So to circle back, Tyler learned something very valuable last Friday. Soon after he completed what he said, and I quote, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. He came to me and said, and it wasn't 10, it may have been 15 minutes later, he says, Dad, I want to run that again. Can I stay on that relay? You know, when he realized his effort was worth training for, when he, when he realized that the reward of his effort was worth the hurt that he had put his body through, he was committed to getting better. Guys, when we commit to giving focused effort to the qualities that are going to make us an effective and fruitful leader in our homes and in our church and in our community, we will have everything we need to accomplish an abundant life. The life that Christ came and died to ensure. Amen and amen. Guys, you have to see that the effort you are going to put forward is absolutely worth it absolutely worth it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, at this time, I, I pray that, that wherever we hear this message, Lord, that we would realize that the challenge before us is to just be our best for your glory. That we are not 
committing to be anyone else's best. We are not committing to, to put forth anybody else's effort, but that it is a very personal, personal training plan that you have set for us so that we can be using our gifts to the best of our abilities for your glory. Lord, just continue to remind us every single day that, you, that we don't do it alone, that we do it in your power. And it's in your son Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. And as we like to say, folks, uh, we love you and grace and peace.